Hello and welcome to the SportsGuard podcast. My name is Ryan Walker and with me as always is the big power forward, Ruben <laughs> Williams. How are you, mate? Uh, g'day, Ryan. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Pleasure to be talking with you as always. I think I'm about six inches too short to be a power forward, but uh, I do admire the power forwards. They are my favorite position in the game of basketball, which I know very little about. So mm. thank you for that that title. Where, where do you reckon you'd stack up on a basketball court? Oh, look, I, I reckon I'd slot in at point guard. I'm pretty, you know, about 182 centimeters. 182? <laughs> So, uh, yeah. In RMs? In RMs, probably add another couple of centimetres, I reckon. And yeah, maybe with okay. a fresh haircut, you know, make it maybe a little bit bigger. Um, yeah. But anyway, we could talk basketball all day despite us not knowing a lot about it. Um, <laughs> but let's get cracking. We've got a huge episode and honestly one of my faves that we've had so far. Um, but firstly, a quick word from our good friends at Deakin University, where every single course is backed by industry experts. So you can be confident you'll get the job you want with a degree that employers want. Deakin University, progressive real world learning. And a shout out to our friends at Sports Where I Am. If you're looking to give yourself a memorable summer or a memorable anything, then head to sportswhereiam.com to find all your favorite events. Right around the world, literally, if you're going somewhere and you want to know what sport's on, jump on Sports Where I Am. Then once you're there, use the code SPORTSGRAD to get 5% off your tickets. It's a no-brainer. Uh, if you want to learn more about who we are or want to ask us any questions, feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. You can find a link to do so in the show notes. Now, the guest today, Rubes, uh, special place in my heart, um, and that is Fleur McIntyre from the Sydney Kings. Now... Fleur was actually my lecturer and tutor back in my university days at Notre Dame um, mm. and was genuinely one of the best people that was at that university. So it was amazing to get her on the podcast and hear about her switch over from education to her assistant coaching role. So she was at Notre Dame for 12 years and has a long history of coaching and volunteering in basketball in WA. Um, and as we mentioned, has has just recently acquired the role of assistant coach at the Sydney Kings in the NBL. Uh, so it's amazing to to have her on the podcast and hear about all her experiences so far in her career. What were some things that stood out to you? Yeah, Ryan, you mentioned like her transition from education into elite sport. The story of how she landed at the Sydney Kings is incredible. Oh. Yeah, mentions of oh, Luke Longley. Mm, mm. I was going to say, let's let's really keep it, you know, okay. under wraps because it is quite All the right. story. But we've just said Luke Longley, so continue. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's still incredible no matter who else is involved, but uh, worth hearing how, you know, everyone's got their own story into sport and Fleur's is uh, is one to uh, to share around, I think. Yeah, I, I, I loved how Fleur spoke about the connection to people and how important that is uh, in getting into sport. I, th- I think she said it's the most important part. And if you, you know, if you're not, I think one of the good quotes she said was, if you're not interested in people, then you're probably in the wrong field. And I, I, mm. I totally agree with her because the sport is about the people and it's about 
you know, being interested and curious as to what people do and, and all the roles that you can find in sport, it's so crucial. So I love that part. Just reinforce it for me. Mm. And so, so Fleur's role, she's an assistant coach. Her job is to make basketball players better. And one of the things she talks about is they've all got their own development plan, which focuses on the things that each basketball player has to get better at. And one of the great things that she dived into is how listeners can create their own personal development plan. If you've got things you want to be better at, Fleur teaches you how to implement the ways of the Sydney Kings in your own life, which I, you know, I'm going to be jotting down after this, Ryan. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of transfer from basketball to life, which which I loved. So mm. grab a pen and enjoy this chat with Flair McIntyre. Flair, welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast. Thanks so much, guys. Really stoked to be here and for you guys to have me on. Flair, Ryan's told me a lot about you, and I've also done a lot of research into you in preparation for this for this podcast. Your career is very admirable on paper, but take us back to when you knew sport was for you and, and what role has it played in your life so far? Well, it's played a huge role. I, uh, I'm a country WA kid. I was born and bred in Kalgoorlie um, in Western Australia, and my dad's a mining engineer. So I've lived in a um, fair few little mining towns across Western Australia before I moved to Perth when I was 15. And, you know, as a country kid, you play all sports. That's what you do, right? You fill in and um, although I was best at basketball, I just sort of played everything, very sporting family, two brothers and a sister. My parents were really active in sports, so I've kind of come from that sporting life. Um, heading into sort of Perth, I was probably best at basketball and decided, well, I'll, I'll focus on that and sort of was playing at the semi-professional level uh, in Western Australia and got to represent WAFA a few times at national championships. Um, in terms of a career in sport, who knew? I uh, I sort of fell into the whole doing a PhD, working at the university and thought, I really enjoy this. I'm going to get involved with this and sort of went down the exercise sports science pathway. And then when my time at the university came to an end and this job opportunity came up at the Sydney Kings and I went over to Sydney and yeah, now venturing into the MBL and men's professional sport and seeing how that pans out for the next couple of years. So I guess I really didn't sort of make a focused or conscious decision that this was going to be my pathway. Um, I just sort of followed my passions along the way and it sort of worked out really well for me. Awesome. Flair, you went to UWA and then you were a huge part of my old stomping ground, Notre Dame, as I speak to Ruse about quite a bit. Can you tell us a bit about your time at Notre Dame and what, what did you love about it? I absolutely loved uh, working at Notre Dame and I think for me working with the students such as yourself, Ryan, you know, when you contacted me and you said, do you remember me? Or, yeah, of course I remember you. You know, <laughs> I, um, I really value that uh, personal connection that Notre Dame had and I think it was probably a little bit different to other institutions in that um we were probably a little bit smaller and then there was that real personal connection with the students. And for me, that was the best part. I, uh, I got to teach a range of subjects. Um, I guess, if anything, when I look back through things, I really do have diverse teaching experiences and life experiences, but that's the thing that I think is a point of difference maybe, you know. So um, I taught you for like a health class, Ryan, but I also teach sports psych and sociology and skill acquisition and research methods. So, yeah. you know, I've got such a diverse background and 
I, I think along the way that's really helped me in terms of dealing with um, different people and really understanding and growing my curiosity in different areas. So working in Notre Dame, A, it's in Fremantle, so it's on the coast, uh, great coffee and food, which is a, a two things I'm really passionate about as well. <laughs> Shout and I, out to our friend at Blink oh, who provides all the coffee. I forgot. What's his name? Serge. Legend. Serge. Yes. Absolute legend. Yes. I, I actually, I've kept following him on Instagram, but just like no one else that I know does because I'll, you know, in my <laughs> sort of friendship group, I was the only one who kind of went to Notre Dame. Yeah. So I've just got my little love of Blink coffee. I'll make sure I go down there next time I'm down there. Absolutely right. He is. Serge fueled me for the better part of 12, 13 years. Yeah. I don't think I ever delivered a lecture without a coffee in hand, walking in first thing, ready to go. So There'd be no judgment if you came in at like 4 p.m. for a coffee. You'd be like, oh, yeah, here you go. <laughs> no oh, problem. That's fine. Yeah. Possibly on your way to pulling an all-nighter. Yeah. 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 So well aware of what was, what was going on. So, But, I mean, you've just touched on it, Ryan. I think... The community, you know, the, not, the the hub of the university is built into the Fremantle, um, I guess, little township on the coast, cafes, coffee. And I think that's the best thing, you know, along with the, the small student classes and actually getting to know people. Those are the things I really valued um, over my time there. Well, that explains why Ryan has been termed the social butterfly of Cricket Australia. He's just wrapped <laughs> up after four years. And from what I heard, it's hard to walk past him in the, in the corridor when you could go into the office. But um, it's good to know that this is where it's all stemmed from. <laughs> to be just not the man's town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about this. There's this narrative that Ruben continues to go down. It's this social butterfly thing with CA. I'm not, I don't know. Uh, it, it's entirely true. Yeah, maybe. I just want to know how you're going to take that now into your new opportunities. And yeah, <laughs> who's the social butterfly of the three-person strong sports crowd at the moment? I mean, <laughs> it's probably a shared role amongst us all. Uh, we, we have to try and make it as fun as possible. So I'm not going to take that away from you, Rubes. If you want to own that, you can. Um, I'll, no, I've, no. I've done my part. I've done my role. <laughs> so. No, I, I, I know my place. I'll, I'll sit back and let you, <laughs> let you flutter. Oh, God. Um, Fleur, interesting question, I think, but how how do you think students have changed from when you started Notre Dame? I think you, you were there for 12 years, was it? Um, you know, from 12 years ago to now, has it? do you think it's sort of become easier or harder to, to land a job in sport, in your opinion? I'll answer that too. I'll answer that in two parts, Ryan. I think that... Where I've seen young people and students change, I was reflecting on this the other day, is that um, really, really driven, absolutely. But I think with young people today and what I've seen is they're so hard on themselves. That's the biggest thing I've seen in um, students. Um, you know, whether that comes from our culture and social media, and I'm not sure, but this drive for just complete perfectionism all the time, I think sometimes they're too hard on themselves. And they're so reliant on making sure everything's perfect all the time. They sometimes hold back from throwing themselves out there and being vulnerable. And I think it's really hard in your late teens and early 20s. I had no idea what I was going to do. I still am navigating life. We all are, you know. So I think for me working with them, it's cut yourself a little bit of slack in terms of you absolutely want to do well and get the best grades possible. But um, I'm sure you two can relate. No one's got it all figured out. And I think that real perfectionism and um, 
not embracing imperfection sometimes is often what I see in students today and how I've seen it change and this real pressure. Um, so that's probably the first thing that I've seen change. Very driven though in terms of where they want to be and where they want to go, which I think is a great thing. In terms of entering into sport, I actually think it's easier now because a couple of things. I think there are way more opportunities because there's more professional avenues for people to get into sport. We've seen a real growth in women's professional leagues. Um, So I think that's opened opportunities as well. And I think historically, without going down the path of one of my sociology gender lectures, Ryan, I won't bore you and ruin with that. We can do. (laughs) That was great. (laughs) The boys at work keep laughing that I lecture them every morning and I'm still kind of thinking (laughs) on the lecturing angle. Um, You know, I think historically sport was very much the old boys club. You know, it was really hard for people to break in. It was who you knew, it was the same old people surrounding. And then now we're really looking at the diversification and all these different avenues for people to come in with dynamic young people, really valuing, um, you know, diverse, you know, diverseness and things like that. So, you know, I look at people like you guys that are venturing down this podcast angle. And I think there's a real opportunity there that perhaps wasn't there previously. Um, AFLW, Cricket Australia, um, you know, women's soccer, there's all these fantastic Mm. new avenues for people to get into sport and they are crying out, particularly in women's sport, being not as well-established as men's, um, for people to come and work or intern. So I actually think it's quite, it's a lot easier now to be able to, carve your network and create this pathway in sport for grads and much easier for those long-time listeners of the podcast who are getting great insights from people such as yourself yeah you i mean you make two good points there because i guess you know 10 years ago you're right women's sport wasn't what it is right now so we're essentially the more that builds up we're almost we're doubling the opportunity that you know clubs and organizations need to be staffed so that's that makes sense I think um, what you said as well around the pressure around students, like I think about it now, I'm like when I, my first couple of years of uni, like I was just trying to get credits, like mm. be totally honest with you. Like, I just, I just want to get by and just, yeah. just get it done. And then it only kind of clicks when you, I, th- I feel like I was a little bit older and I was a little bit more mature and I, and like my last semester, I think I got two D's and I was like, what on earth is going on here but like that's like it's kind of what happens and sometimes when you're that early on you don't you actually don't know where you're heading and what you want to do and if you put that pressure on yourself it's kind of like it's a big drainer so I think you're right like I think it's probably definitely relevant today and probably because the the people feel the pressure a lot more but yeah it's it's probably just a a young person type thing that's happening Mm. at the moment yeah, definitely. Like, like in my experience, like I, you know, I'm very guilty of putting that sort of pressure on myself, but you know, it has the opposite effect in that, like it will drive me to do plenty of things, but I'll find it very hard to enjoy the outcomes of it or enjoy doing it because I'm so stressed out about mm-hmm. getting it absolutely perfect. And then that kind of makes you think in the end of it, what was the point to begin with? So finding that balance is, is still hard no matter what mm-hmm. age you're at. And I think I used to say to students all the time, I know that, you know, as I want you guys to get good grades and I want you to do well, but 
I say to them all the time, you're not defined by a letter that's on your paper. Do you know what I mean? Like you're defined by so much more. Like obviously I want you to do well, and, and but, you know, if something doesn't go well, you don't get that HD. You know, there's this thing of perfection all the time. And I think you mentioned it, Ruben, and also, you know, you miss out on the experience as well. Like you've really got to embrace you know, find some joy and fun. That's my number one thing in anything that I do in occupation, life, whatever, because I think when we're young, we're still trying to figure it out. There's so much pressure on ourselves and we forget to kind of enjoy it a little bit as we go and we're trying Mm. to figure it out. That's part of life. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So you've gone from education to elite sports with the Sydney Kings. How did that opportunity come up? So this is a great story, if I do say so myself. <laughs> we love when guests say that. They're like, <laughs> yeah. we, we just essentially just sit back. We're like, mm, okay, yeah, here we go. grab it to the table. Strap in. <laughs> Let's go. I feel like I may have overpromised and I'm about to ask. We'll see how it goes. So I, um, I left Notre Dame at the end of uh, last year in December. I was just, it had been you know, 12 years full-time, 15 years doing my PhD and all the rest of it. I was there and was looking for a change and sort of been five, six months and enjoying the free life, we should yeah. say. It was, uh, it was very, very good. But I was thinking to myself, it's probably time I got another job and trying to figure out. It's just like coming out of uni. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And um, out of the blue, I had a voicemail on my phone. It was a Thursday. And the voicemail was, hi, Fleur, it's Luke Longley. Uh, former championship winner with oh. the Chicago Bulls, Australian basketball icon. Um, Te- teammate of Michael Jordan. This is the same one, just had his documentary aired on ABC um, and said, can you, <laughs> hope you well, can you give me a call back? And I'm like, okay. I, now I've, no Luke, we, um, we've crossed paths at our local sort of club back when he was living in Fremantle and I was playing at that club at the Coburn Cougars in, in near Fremantle in Western Australia. Haven't spoken to Luke in about 10 years and I'm thinking, this is weird, but sure. Um, rang him back and, how are you going? Yeah, well, Luke, how are you? Good. He's obviously living down in Denmark now. He's, and he consults for the Sydney Kings. He said to me, what is so, Sorry, that's Denmark, WA. WA, not, sorry, not Denmark. Europe. Europe. Yep. Yes. God, God's country, Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> for those that don't know, Denmark, WA. Yes, absolutely. So... I ring him back and, you know, he says to me, what are you doing? Like, you know, what's up? And I'm like, not much, Luke, what's going on with you? And he's like, oh, you know, I do some consultant work for the Sydney Kings and the front office playing group coaching. Yep, absolutely. Um, We're just about to appoint our new head coach um, named Chase Buford from the United States, currently working for the G League Milwaukee Bucks team and involved with the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm trying to pull together a short list of assistant coaches and I want to explore outside the NBL and um, your name's come up. Are you interested in applying? And I'm sort of thinking, what? Um, I said, he goes, obviously, you know, it's a big step moving to Sydney, but it would just be a short list at the moment. Sure, Luke Longley, I'll apply for a job with the Sydney Kings. Yeah. So put a, put a CV and a resume together, um, sent it to him. Monday, that following Monday, he rang, Luke rang me and said, oh, Paul Smith wants to talk to you, who's one of the owners of the Sydney Kings. They were in lockdown, so I'm not sure if Paul was just looking to fill a little bit of time, but I spoke to Paul for about 30 minutes and he told me about his vision for Sydney and the organisation and where they wanted to go, so that was great. Thursday morning, I had a message from Chase in America. He was in the middle of the playoffs of the NBA, Milwaukee Bucks, 
And um, he says, have you got time for an interview? Absolutely. It was 7 a.m. I was in my pyjamas, like it was a phone call, <laughs> sitting in my house just, and we're talking about Giannis's knee injury. And I'm thinking to myself, is this real? While, while they're in the middle of a yeah, championship yeah. winning <laughs> yeah. campaign, yeah. And I, uh, and Giannis has done his knee and I'm like, is this real life? Am I having a conversation about <laughs> the NBA MVP yeah. with this, you know, the head coach of the Sydney Kings? So we spoke for about 45, 50 minutes. He had a series of questions. The Sunday, Luke called me again and said, look, you did really well in the interview. Uh, the CEO wants to talk to you. So Chris Pongrass gave me a call, discussed moving to Sydney and what it would look like. And then Monday morning got offered the job. So here we are. Um, been in Sydney for eight weeks and working for wow. the Kings. All, like, how that quick is... was that? Oh, <laughs> it's bang. Yeah, it was um, – I did laugh though because – um, they kept saying to me, oh, you know, you've been so great. And I'm thinking to myself, all I've done is talk on the phone. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm, you know, when you have that sense of imposter syndrome, yeah. thinking to yourself, God, I've just done an interview on my pajamas and I've, you know, I've answered this like some questions over the phone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let's hope I can do this. But um, yeah, so no, that's how the job came about. And uh, yeah, very grateful to Luke for sort of putting my name forward. And mm. I kept thanking him all the time yeah. at my farewell gathering. I said to him, I've got to buy you a beer. He's like, can you just stop? Like he's yeah. just, <laughs> just, I mean, he accepted the beer. Don't get me wrong. I did buy him one. <laughs> um, but he, uh, yeah, no, I'm very grateful for him for mm. at least Luke's very likes to sort of think outside the square a little bit, which is part of the reason I love conversing and hanging out with him he's fantastic so mm. it was sort of him that thought oh, I'll just gather you know a few different elements that are outside the NBL and professional sport bubble and we'll go from there that's awesome I know you'll probably be very humble about this but what do you think Luke saw in you well look I think that it's such a that's a hard one to answer but I'll I'll attempt to. Um, you, you, you've, you've got to be nice to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's hard. Self-care, but have self-love. Um, look, I think that being in sport for the right reasons can be really important. Um, obviously, everyone is ambitious and everyone wants to get somewhere generally, you know, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with ambition. I think that's a key element. But for me, I've always been involved in sport and coaching because I genuinely and I feel like that comes across when I talk to people and engage with people is that it's like working with students I want I want to help people get where they want to go you know realize their potential and what can I contribute to help them realize their dreams and where they want to go um, same thing with students exactly the same thing with athletes so I've always sort of had that feedback you know when I was working with junior state teams and under 18s and under 20 state teams in WA that you know, I didn't ever really aspire for anything for myself. I just really wanted to help these kids, whether they wanted to get scholarships to college, we wanted to win a national championship, um, for them to make the NBL one or the NBL, just go as far as they possibly could. And what what could I do to help them develop their skills, but also their confidence in terms of how they wanted to get there. So I'm hopeful that translated when I sort of spoke to Luke and maybe that's sort of what appealed to him in that, um, my experience in working with diverse groups and, you know, being in it for the right reasons, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. Luke, Luke Longley, of all people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we we it, always talk about um, sort of like dream guests at, on the podcast. Like, you know, we, we've got Hamish McLaughlin before, which is probably the taste the cake. Hamish is a very good podcast. I did go and listen to that. Very yeah, good. He, he, he was a superstar. I think that, I think, 
and Hamish would be happy to admit this, but I think Luke Longley would probably kick Hamish out of the park and um, <laughs> we'll, we'll let him know he said that, Rubes, because then yeah. he'll, he'll be yeah. fine with that. But, <laughs> yeah, wow. That, and probably just huge that you know Luke Longley and the man that knows God, Michael Jordan. So <laughs> oh, It's really funny. We have a standard joke, though, like Luke knows everyone for such a quiet – you know, he lives his life in Denmark and, you know, loves his own. But he just, Luke is the king of knowing everyone. Like you say you know someone, Luke knows someone bigger than that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> just, he knows everyone. He's Luke Longley. He's seven foot tall and everyone mm. flocks to him. So, yeah, no, he's um, larger than life, uh, yeah. both literally and metaphorically. Yeah, awesome. So the, the assistant coach role, um, is it as much sort of, well, sort of like player development and like, you know, teaching as much as like, you know, putting X's and O's on a whiteboard at, at the break. Like what, where do you come into that in terms of game day and also off off the court? So at the moment we're in preseason. Uh, we go to, we've got some preseason games coming up actually in November and the season starts early December. Our first game is versus Melbourne United actually. You're uh, from your current state in we'll um have, but they're coming to, coming to we'll, sydney but right, we'll have to get yeah. you guys to a game when we come to play melbourne united uh we yeah. play them three times in december so there's plenty of opportunity for uh we, we will be there we're uh, we uh we've been a few melbourne united games before down on the down on the uh the seated on the what do you call it the cushion seats yeah down the front we uh managed to find our way there through some connection don't even ask how we got onto them but <laughs> yeah we got onto a story them. for well, another time well, I mean, rubbing well, shoulders with craig hutchison as well oh, it's quite fun so. he's the poster boys for melbourne sport i don't doubt that you two would be <laughs> fine. this uh, is before the podcast yeah <laughs> um we're in pre-season at the moment. So what my sort of job at the moment looks like is we do individual work with the guys. Like I work with all the different players every day. We kind of rotate. There's sort of four, you know, different members of the coaching staff, former NBL players, Kevin Leish and Daniel Kickett, uh, Lockie Lonigan, one of our other assistants, and Chase. And we sort of work through um, individual sessions with each of the guys and it involves a whole heap of work. It's usually linked to our style of play and how we want to yeah play offensively and that's what we sort of work on then we have team training so I run those individual development sessions we have player development plans of how we want to upskill and where we want these guys to to go Um, and then obviously we have our team training session so as we head to the season my role will be obviously assisting Chase and the players any way I can on the bench I'll have scout responsibilities where Say I'm given three teams, it might be Melbourne United, the Perth Wildcats and the Brisbane Bullets. And there'll be my teams that I'll have to cut film for during the year um, and make sure scouts prepared as we head into those games and game reviews, as well as doing individual, for our players, individual film cuts of the guys that I'm working with. So we'll review film, making sure that they're seeing things that are great, things that we can improve on as we kind of go through. So, And during games, you're right, X's and O's, you know, if we're, doing good things, how do we keep a, you know, how do we keep that rolling? If we're getting smacked at some point, how do we fix it? Yeah. Um, and making sure that, you know, I'm able to provide some information and I guess, you know, any suggestions that I can throw at Chase as we go along or help the players on the bench, that'll be mainly my role. What do you do in your, when, you, when you're what? There's a minute to go left in a basketball game and, you know, you're down by, we'll say five points, there's enough time to claw that back. Yep. And you're just going to rev them up. Like, what do you do in that situation? <laughs> to be honest, 
it's usually the players are pretty good at revving themselves up. I'm not sure me walking into the huddle and sort of <laughs> seeing them is probably going to have a uh, an impact. Although, mind you, I am pretty vocal in sort of che- like making sure that they feel supported, you know, at training. Um, but, yeah, they're pretty good at in professional athlete life of getting themselves going. So I'm sure they'll be – I mean, I hope I'm not – in a timeout at any point, Rooster in the season, <laughs> <laughs> screaming at them. Um, I think at that point it'll probably be me more with Chase before we go into the timeout, working what we're going to execute here to get us our best looks coming out of it. So the players will generally take care of themselves. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll try not to give them a a bake or be, you know, a huge G up if they need it either way at any point during the game. <laughs> well, you can always, you've got Luke Longley on speed dial, so you can always ask the big fella what, what he thinks. Um, <laughs> well, Paul Smith, our owner I've heard, does enough yelling for everyone on the sidelines. So I'll, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I plan to just be, you know, the, the calm, mature one. We'll yeah. say that. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, Fleur, obviously we're a podcast, we do a a little bit of research on our guests each time they come on. And, gee, I, I was surprised at the amount of articles about you on, on Google this week. It was, it was actually quite cool to read. But one particular quote um, resonated with me, and I'll, I'll read it out to you. And it's from the superstar from the Perth Wildcats, Greg Hire. Um, for those listening, I, I love the Wildcats. Anyone from Perth loves the Wildcats. So I'll read this quote to you. What different, differentiates the good coaches to the special coaches are the ones that have the ability to connect with players in a, in a unique way while still maintaining respect. And that was in an article about you. So I was wondering, how is it that you're able to connect with players in their own really unique way? Firstly, I actually emceed Greg's wedding, actually, with there's a little fact for you with... um. With Damien Martin, who's former captain of the Perth. Damien Martin. Yeah. Oh. So um, there's a few there's a few names in this podcast yeah, that have come out. I am, I'm the lowest of the low in this. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, Flo. Um, but I uh, I'll give you a quick sight. You two will enjoy this. I met with Damien the night before the wedding because we hadn't planned anything as MCs, and right. he had bought his computer in classic Damien Martin fashion, and it was flat. We were meant to write notes and, of course, and we didn't have the charger and we were in a pub. So we wrote on beer coasters while we had a couple of beers and <laughs> what we were going to do. So needless to say, the wedding went off without a hitch. We were yeah. all over it. But that's just a little side uh, tidbit for you. So Greg is, Greg's been in my life for a long time, so he's probably a little bit biased when he says these things. But I do appreciate <laughs> the kind words. So I'm not from Perth. Is, is Greg a player, coach? He played for the Wildcats. He was vice captain, um, has okay. won multiple championships with them. I've actually yeah. known Greg since he was about 14, 15, running yeah. around as a teenager. Is he, um, and is he's he still wife. playing? No, he's retired. He's playing in the NBL 1 West. Yeah. The, Recently, the though, wasn't it? Like, yes. Yeah. Yep. So he's retired the last couple of years and he's running around for the Rockingham Flames in the NBL 1. Nice. competition and he's played some three on three for Australia yep. recently as well sort of went into that yeah, venture cool. um so yes he's probably a little bit biased in saying these nice things about me but it was <laughs> nice to read nonetheless um look I think t- the connection thing I've always human beings are, if you're going to work in sport well, I mean you guys would know running this sort of podcast it's that human connection and interaction is at the very foundation of working in sport and I used to say that to my students all the time that if you don't like people you're probably in the wrong industry so here's your (laughs) 
helpful hint. Um, and I think for me, I just, I really enjoy when you're in my life and, you know, I've come into the Sydney Kings environment. I just love getting to know people. Um, I probably can be a little bit annoying in that respect in that I love asking people questions. <laughs> Um, I just love learning about people and I think there's so much more to people than what they do um, in terms of their profession or being a professional athlete. So I just try and learn as much as I can about them um, in terms of their story and where they want to go, but also their personal lives. And I think that that helps build connection and also build rapport and trust. So when I'm trying to help them, then they know that there's a genuine care there. I'm not doing it for any other, you know, reasons or motives in terms of that I generally care about people if you're in my life, whether you're my student or you're one of my players or the staff that I'm working with. That's by far and away the best part about working in sport and working with people. So I think I'm hopeful that um, I'm quite genuine when that, you know, comes across and I get to know people. And I think that development of care and nurturing is is easy to do when you're coming at it from the right reason. So then when, you know, you've found stuff that you want them to get better or there's stuff that you want them to improve on, they know that it's kind of coming from this place of care rather than, you know, somewhere else. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think it's probably relevant for, you know, not just a coach, but anyone who wants to work in sport and, you know, people that are listening who are wanting to get into the industry, as you said, Human connection is probably the number one piece. Um, but, you know, if you're just walking into an organisation for the first time or you're, you know, you're doing an internship, it's like having that curiosity to meet people and understand what they do will have a genuine impact. Like it's, it's much easier probably to stay quiet and just go do your thing. But if you look like you're, you're interested in people, I think that's what's going to probably land you the job, to be honest. Absolutely. So, so, Fleur, if I'm like a naturally introverted person and I find it very confronting and I'm very shy mm. when approaching people, what are some of the easy ways to start to build that human connection with other people? I think that's a really good point because yeah, that's the other thing. Not everyone's extroverted and can walk in. I mean, to be honest, I hate networking as well half the time, <laughs> you know, like there's nothing more awkward than trying to work a room of people and things like that. Um if you're an introvert, the, the biggest thing I tend to say to people is don't try and be something that you're not as well. Like you can still form connections with people without being out there and loud and trying to be someone that you're not. So I think the first thing is to be who you are and be, you know, stay true to yourself. And the other thing is as well is it doesn't have to be networking or striking up conversations. You can be in an environment where it's just a passing conversation. You know, it can be a really casual conversation. It doesn't have to be formal because I think the formality of things sometimes often causes people a lot of anxiety. It might be that you're somewhere, you know, sitting down and having lunch and you're just having a one-on-one conversation with people, um, going to walk somewhere and grabbing a coffee. So I think those little things are really important in terms of um, building human connections. And you don't have to be this big outgoing extroverted personality setting meetings left, right and centre to try and meet people um, because that's not everyone. And I think that's really important when you're trying to get to know people and also build those skills for yourself in having those conversations. And what about like in, in a coaching environment? Because say you're an, an introvert and you're seeing all these coaches on TVs, you know, particularly in the AFL, they're giving players sprays left, right and centre. They can deliver these incredible speeches to, you know, rally people together. Yeah. If you're a naturally introverted person, you know, how do you become a coach when that's kind of, you know, 
what a coach looks like in your eyes. Yeah, look, and I say this. So I used to play the um, Al Pacino any given Sunday speech in a lecture. The <laughs> you know famous, and I used to, you know, and I used to say to my my students, not everyone's Al Pacino, and not everyone's working in a Hollywood movie to be able to deliver it. There's people that can, you know, absolutely. And I think the thing with that is. I, I still can't, don't try and be something that you're not, you know, and I think it, whether you're better in that one-on-one connection and you've got someone else that you can rely on that's going to, whether that's your leader of your group that can deliver that speech from the playing group and your strength is that one-on-one ability to, to look players in the eyes and get the best out of them, tap into that. That's sort of what I kind of build in you know you're going to have to speak in front of the group even as an introvert if you're an introvert and you want to coach you are going to have to get up and deliver to the to the group but again stay true to yourself you don't have to drop a big hollywood blockbuster (laughs) motivational speech um, if that's not you and that's something you struggle with and it might be something that you get better at and evolve at over time but your ability and connection may be from those personal connections and working with players one-on-one um, and then you've got your leadership or your captain or whatever to go and give you big motivational spray or G up or whatever you need to do. So I think finding who you are and the best way to deliver your message. And the other thing is as well, some players really respond to that spray. Like I, I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't mind someone yelling at me. Like I was, you know, pretty fiery <laughs> and I could deal. But there's a lot of players that can't. You know, there's changes in athletes as well. We talk about changes in students. It's not the old days where you could go grab people by the scruff of the shirt and absolutely scream in their face. Um, So again, I think we're evolving as coaches and as humans, players, athletes, students. So it's finding what works for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You mentioned earlier, you'd obviously played a pretty big role in WA basketball, both, you know, volunteering and coaching. How important do you see getting that volunteer experience for anyone wanting to work in the industry? I think it's really important, particularly when you're trying to break into the industry. I think volunteering, um, you know, I guess it it is a means to an end, I guess. We talk about ambition and where you want to go. But, again, I generally just enjoyed working with the kids and um, the athletes. And I was always a big sort of advocate for if you can give back, give back. That was always sort of my um, motivation. I always felt like... um, I had something to give back and I really enjoyed giving back. So I think if you've got the capacity to volunteer and particularly if you're trying to develop those skills that we've spoken about earlier, it's a really important way to get involved in something that you enjoy and that you're interested in and develop those skills along the way without being, I think sometimes we, again, we hold back so much out of fear that, oh, I don't know if I can do this and I don't know if I'm going to do this wrong. I'm like, do you want the list of things that I've done wrong? Like over the last however many years of, things not panning out or I look back to the coach I was at, you know, I play a coach one year in the NBA one, um, which was the worst decision I could have ever made. I was horrible. At it. I was absolutely <laughs> horrible. I'm not sure what I was thinking, but I look back on that and I'm like, I was awful like at that, at <laughs> trying to play a coach um, and the way I manage things and my assistants, I look back and I cringe at how, but that's life, right? You know? So I think, taking those experiences, throwing yourself into things. It may work out. It may be the world's biggest mess, but you'll figure it out as you go. So I think volunteering, particularly in areas that you're passionate about or you want to know about is critical. You mentioned some of those like essential skills that volunteering helps you develop. Um, We talk to a lot of students who 
are very analytical in their approach mm. to achieving anything. They, they love a roadmap. They want to know, you know, concrete steps to doing certain things that are going to achieve an outcome. And so this, this next question has kind of got two parts to it, but I'm hoping it might appeal to those people who love the roadmap. Yeah. Um, you mentioned when you're coaching um, basketball players, they've each got their own development plan to work on specific things. I'm wondering how do you come up with that development plan with a player and what might you do or what could a student do to take the same approach that you're applying at the Sydney Kings that a student could apply to themselves and develop their own personal development plan? That is such a good question. I'll try and put it in a uh, athlete (laughs) development plan context. I think the first thing is obviously understanding the individual or yourself when you're coming up with your own plan in terms of what are your goals and where you want to go. So I think that's the first thing when we're working with players, it's knowing each player and whether they've got NBA aspirations, they want to, you know, carve out a senior career in the NBL, go to Europe. So it's understanding where they want to go. So I think that's the first thing, their goals and personal aspirations. I think sitting down and working through what their strengths and weaknesses are or ways to improve. Um, So, you know, I may look at you, for example, Ruben or Ryan and say, well, these are the things you do really well. These are strengths of yours. These are things I think we can improve on that fits within our organisation. So we sort of mirror it to what what we need from you as a player for the Sydney Kings um, and where you fit in our particular system, but as well as understanding you as a person and where you want to go. So it's not just all for us. It's, you know, mirroring both of those together. So I think doing those things are the first things that we need to achieve. And then when we're working on the strengths, but in particular the weaknesses, how are we going to achieve that? So how do I work on those things that I'm not very good at? So for example, I'm not great at having conversations with people. I find that hard and I find that a struggle. What's different ways I can put a plan together that I do that? So maybe it's I try this week and I tick off that I'm going to put my hand up in class and offer an opinion when the lecturer asks for that. Um, I'm going to, in this group project, um, they want someone to lead it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to be the leader of that group project because for my personal development, I think that would be really important to see if I can manage a group of people. I mean, group assignments were the worst. That's probably the worst example I <laughs> for uni students. was never a huge fan of the group assignment, but you understand what I mean. So it's then saying, well, there's the goal, analysing things that perhaps I want to get better at or opportunities I need to achieve that goal and putting myself in those situations. So not being fearful of putting yourself out there and doing those little things. Particularly, it's really hard to target those things and understand where your weaknesses are. So it also might be a really good idea to work with someone else for that as well, someone you admire, someone you are happy to, you know, obtain some constructive criticism from so I think that's also a really nice way to help to develop that plan together and the steps that you can then do with those processed um, components in there to get you know to your outcome I think so much of the time same as professional sport we're so focused on the outcome all the time you know we're in wins and losses and passes and fails and I think that's a mistake. I'm really against that because I think it's the process stuff that we often, as you said, Roman, you're so stressed about getting to the the end of it, you don't actually realise you picked up some stuff along the way. So that's sort of, in terms of a roadmap, things that I'd suggest. And so I presume you guys have like a template that you like roll out each year for, for students who haven't got access to that. Would 
how would you recommend kind of drawing up your own sort of plan? Yeah, so we just use we use PowerPoint because it's pretty and we sit with the with the <laughs> athletes and we sort of draw up with them in the middle and what sort of the, the flow chart looks like in terms of um, how we think they play, what their strengths are, and we sort of build them up, you know, how we see you fit and what your strengths are. So that's what we generally start with. So whether people want to do that or they just want to write it down, you know, start with things that, build yourself up a little bit and things that you think you do really well. And then we sort of think to us, then we ask them what their goals and plans are. And we say, okay, to get you here, this is what we think that we need to work on and where we see you go. Um, we often do, a, and not that this would probably always work, but we often do a lot of player comparisons as well in the player development plan. So, you know, saying to you in particular, well, you know, have you thought about watching some film on this particular person that we think you play like or you admire? Um, so it could be like things like a podcast, you know, listening to you two as people that you aspire to be, you know. So those sort of things in terms of self-development can be really helpful as well. So it doesn't have to be a fancy PowerPoint. You could literally just have a sheet of paper and write down your goals. I find writing stuff down really helps me in terms of the way I think and actually getting it out on paper rather than just kind of keeping it up here. So I think whether it's PowerPoint, A3, paper, whatever you want to do, I think it's a really good idea. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I think writing is a lot better than typing in my opinion. Like yeah. just get it, it's in my brain a bit better. It makes it more meaningful seeing it in my font. Yeah. That's just me. You should see my written every morning we write out individual workouts that we're doing for the guys are only 30 to 40 minutes honestly I have a stack of papers that are just shoved all over my desk and it's just (laughs) writing everywhere I mean I understand what's going on and in my head I'm prepared you know it's in my writing and I've got my order and you know that sort of logical flow of things so I um I really enjoy that process of actually putting pen to paper yeah Finally, Fleur, what do you think three things are that grads out there can put to action today to help them get into the sports industry? So we've touched on a lot of it throughout the podcast. So we the first thing, I would, yeah, the first thing I would say is that volunteer or seek intern op- opportunities where you can, um, and you don't have to have had it have it, have it figured out at the moment um i think oh i don't know my purpose and i don't know what i'm meant to be doing none of us do so i think having multiple passions and purpose without you know volunteering for 15 different things a week is not a bad thing while you're trying to figure it out you know so if there's opportunities come up to coach a local under 10 soccer teams or be statistician or whatever it is for your local cricket club then don't be afraid to put yourself out there because A, you're building a skill set and you're developing that skill set in sport. Secondly, you're meeting people. Sport and being involved in clubs at a semi-professional, local level, professional level, you just meet people. That's the biggest thing I can say about getting involved in a sporting club. Um, You know, parents of kids that you're coaching, the president and vice president, the board members, it just opens up a world of opportunity for you in meeting people and I think that's what I found across many many years of working in sport the amount of relationships and connections that I've formed through with families and parents has just been absolutely outstanding so they're sort of the the first two things I would say and thirdly things that they can work on in terms of human connection like that that's what I would challenge 
um, grads because it's an uncomfortable space, right? Working with people at times and having conversations and things like, and it doesn't have to be formal and, you know, tick those little boxes where you're developing those skills of being able to just say good day to someone, you know, sit down, have a conversation about life. It doesn't have to necessarily be in, in sport. For me, they're quite easy things to implement. And lastly, I would also suggest, and you touched on it, Ryan, as well, which I love. It's one of my key traits I sort of look for in people is be a lifelong learner, be curious about everything. You know, I think that um, whether it's, I mean, back in the day, you had to go to the library and read research articles and, you know, but now you've got things like these like podcasts everywhere, you know, and there's so many opportunities for professional development and to seek information. Um, so don't always expect things to be kind of handed to you and be mapped out that this is what you need to know and this is how you're going to do it. Explore, be curious and try and figure things out for yourself. That would be sort of my advice for grads. Unreal. Amazing. It's it's, it's great advice and they'll definitely take that in. But it's, uh, it's been awesome to chat, Fleur. Did I honestly think when I sat in my health promotion lectures, I don't know how long it was, probably 2013, 14, yeah. 15. Uh, did I think I'd be <laughs> having you on my podcast one day? Absolutely not. Uh, it's it's ran- so, so random, but that is genuinely what life is about. I feel like there's is. lots of those moments where you don't realise you're going to know someone post that one time you met them. So it's uh, it's been awesome listening to you and like, it's just the transition between education and our assistant coach for the Kings um, is amazing. And just hearing about what, what you do and, and how you got there has been awesome. So thanks so much for, for coming on and, and spending your time with us. I really appreciate it guys. Um, leave it with me. I'll see if I can get Luke to, um, to come on your podcast. So, uh, I'll well, see if he can. He's well, a very internet human, but I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do. Well, we, we, that would be we don't want to break incredible. the internet. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, hey, it, it, yeah. If if Luke wants to come on the pod, I mean, I guess we can allow him to come on. Rude. Yeah, I think we I think we got some time off to yeah. check. But yeah, should, yeah, we'll yeah. work around it. No, amazing. Well, I'm more just upset because he's just gonna, yeah, he's gonna completely topple everything, you know, before that. So that's oh. fine. That's Luke Longley. You just go with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. Whatever so, Luke wants to do, we'll, we'll do. Uh, that's totally fine. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's been so great to connect with you, Ryan, again and to come on the podcast. You guys are doing such great things. All righty, Rubes. Well, any episode that mentions one of the great Chicago Bulls players in Luke Longley has to be a pretty good podcast. And I loved what Fleur had to say uh, pretty much to every question we asked. It was one of the great podcasts. But what are some things that you loved? Well, I just love knowing that we're now only three connections away from from Michael Jordan. That's like, <laughs> that's the biggest thing I'm taking away from this. Like, he's in arm's reach. I can feel him. Yeah, he's close. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but what, one of the great things that uh, Fleur talked about is how she makes her athletes better through this development plan. And there were some very actionable steps in there. If you've, if you've forgotten them, Go back and listen, in, listen to them because um, I think this is going to help you take a very logical approach to improving yourself to get that job in sport that you want. So first thing that you know I'm certainly going to be doing after this is looking at my own development plan and figuring out what are my strengths and weaknesses, what's my goal, what am I trying to achieve, where am I going, what do I need to do to get there, 
and then mapping out that plan just on a bit of paper so that I can see how over the next six months, 12 months, I'm going to improve myself. Yeah, I love the, you know, emphasis on connection and how important it is to, you know, be able to connect with people, but not only that, but like want to connect with people. Mm. Um, and she mentioned a lot of, you know, a lot of students, a lot of, a lot of people now, you know, get really stressed. I've got to do everything right. So I think if, if I'm someone listening to this one, I'm pretty much what I'm going to do as well here is just focus on one thing at a time. And if, you know, if that one, if you want to focus on one thing and probably the most important thing, I'd say focus on connection. Um, because it is so important and you, you really, you can't work in sport if you don't want to connect or you can't connect with people. So focus on that one thing. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. And she spoke about, you know, for people who do struggle to, you know, mix and mingle with people, you might be introverted, you know, pushing your comfort zone can be a very challenging thing. Um, one action we'd love you to take away from this is, you know, find that moment, you know, maybe you can easily reflect on it and think, all right, that was a moment where I thought maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, and I didn't. Or maybe during the week, you can look out for that moment that, you know, where you're confronted with that, with the extent of your comfort zone. Whatever it is, find that moment and then make it a goal of yours to push it and take that step that you know you want to do and see where you see where you, see where you end up. Um, uh, Fleur talked a lot about the the benefits of that, and we've even done a whole podcast with uh, Tom Rose from Southampton Football Club, who did fifty two yeah. challenges in fifty two weeks to extend his comfort zone. Um, he was living by the quote, "Life begins at the end of your comfort zone." So he's another great example who is an introverted person, but has just pushed himself to the absolute limits to get over his fear of absolutely anything. So. Whatever you are confronted with at the moment that is challenging you, look for ways to, to push past it. Yeah, I, I love that episode with Tom Rose. It was a classic. Yeah. The other um, uh, the other thing I wish we did talk about, Ryan, is what you're like as a student. You know, I'm, I'm happy we, we missed should that. Have, uh, <laughs> yeah. We've, uh, you took the opportunity a few times when we've had Deacon people in the podcast to delve into my academic history. Yeah. Um, and this one's just gone straight over my head. I'm a bit disappointed in myself. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't take the opportunity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, we delved into a little bit of what I was like in terms of, you know, performance and that kind of thing. But, mm. uh, I mean, Fleur does say, I, I honestly, when I rang her, I was like, you prob- might not remember me. And she's like, what do you mean? That's, don't be ridiculous. Of course <laughs> I remember you. So that was good. I just hope she remembers me for the right reasons. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway. Missed opportunity for you, my friend. Anyway, Won't let that happen again. Yeah, I hope not. Alrighty, well, be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn. We'd love to chat with you on there. You can find a link in our show notes to do so. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.